I think that these missions are an expression of the reflection of God in our lives. The missions are an expression of the reflection of God in our lives. They also serve to slow us down, to focus, to breathe in the company of one another, to work in the company of one another, to be the company of one another, and to let the Spirit move into the things we do as followers of the teachings of Jesus. Those are the teachings of Jesus to me. And I think that the process is always rooted deep, deep down inside in joy, even in the midst of some of the sacrifices that are involved in service. It's always rooted in the expression of joy that comes through the ministry. You know this. This summer, I'm talking a little bit about the Book of Joy, which is that conversation between Archbishop Tutu and the Dalai Lama about joy. In the beginning of their meeting in the book, the, Dalai, the Archbishop is asked to pray, and he begins with these words. Let's be still for a moment. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful people and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit that we may be made new and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. Amen. Let's be still for a moment. That's where he begins. Now, one of the methods that I learned about slowing down when you're praying and you're trying to enter into meditation, one of them is you take a sentence like the ones here and you start out with the first word. Just say the first word. Then you go back and you say the first word and the second word. And it sounds like this. So for that sentence, let's be still for a moment, which could be a prayer. You would say, let's. Let's be. Let's be still. Let's be still for. Let's be still for a. Uh, Let's be still for a moment. There's something about that for some folks that helps to center. The Archbishop continues in some of what he says. Now we are in the 21st century. We are improving on the innovations of the 20th century and continuing to improve our material world. While, of course, there are still a lot of poor people who do not have adequate food, generally the world is now highly developed. The problem is that our world and our education remain focused, focused exclusively on external materialistic values. We are not concerned enough with our inner values. The real problem, he says, is here as he touches his heart. And here, the Dalai Lama echoes, mind and healer. Materialistic values cannot give us peace of mind, so we need to focus on our inner values, our true humanity, for only this way can we have peace of mind and more peace in the world. Two of the most notable spiritual leaders in the world living today talking about peace and heart. 
It reminded me of what Jesus, what John said in chapter 14, verse 27, about Jesus' statement to his disciples. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Do not be afraid. I give to you as the world gives. Do not be troubled. I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not be troubled and do not be afraid. My peace I leave you. My peace I give you. My peace. Jesus' peace. It's something much deeper than calm or quiet. It's that deep inner silence and stillness that is different from sitting still or quietly. I think it reflects what the psalmist said in verse 4610. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Now, anyone who tries as I do to meditate and be still, you know how hard that is. I have no surefire way to still my mind to the point where it is quiet inside, totally quiet, without thought or distraction. Yet even with my mind and the interruptions that try to foil my attempts at being still, something still happens. The part of me that is more than my mind, we are more than our mind, and that part of me somehow connects with what it needs to connect to, even when my mind is all over the place. So the very act of being still puts into communication more than my mind with the more that there is. I get calmed down when I do that. Somehow that other touches the counterparts it shares with in creation. And it unfetters the joy. There's something that emerges about joyfulness when I come out of a place where I have just sat still for a while, no matter how distracted I might have been in the process. Because I am always going to be in the human condition. In this form, I will always have the human condition. I will always be responding to all types of sensory things around me, as well as the things that constantly go through my mind. But still, that spiritual part of who we are seems to connect regardless of all of that noise. I think for me, what it comes down to is this belief. Can I say, I believe? Period. Can you just say, I believe? believe. Oh, I wasn't asking, but that's really nice that you did. That's a sign of a really engaged congregation when when you answer rhetorical questions. It's really good. So since you said that, Then I can say, yes, it seems we really believe that no matter the suffering and the time we may have on this planet, that we can also believe that it is the time when we leave, when we send others off, when we go with those who were walking on their last earthly days that are moving towards that time when their journey is complete, that we believe in things that tell us that that is a joyful exultant, transformative time, even with all the suffering and the difficulty and the sense of loss. That's the joy 
that these guys are talking about, that I'm trying to grasp. That's the joy. It doesn't dismiss all of these other things, but it's, it's there. Not in spite of, just it's there. Like I believe it's there. Now some days I'm in that place more than others. But here we are in this place of prayer and Christian worship that, as we know it, has its arms around a loving God in all the ways God may be known. So when I identify myself as a Christian, I don't identify myself in a way that limits me from embracing others and the ways they move in their direction of God. In fact, my beliefs and the teachings of Jesus that I believe in tell me it is exactly the opposite. Everyone is embraced in these teachings of hospitality and love. The greatest of commandment. Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no division there. But it is hard sometimes, right? Remember the words, Eli, Eli, Lamaxani, Sabatani. My God, my God, where, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, in the midst of his suffering, joyful as he was, deep in his knowledge of God and his relationship to God, in his suffering, cried out, why have you forsaken me? And the words come from Psalm 22. But there's more to that. At the end of Psalm 22, the words are, and the meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise your God. Your heart shall live forever. If Jesus was reciting the prayer, he was reciting a prayer of transition. I know how it feels. I feel abandoned at the moment. Where are you? But I know you are there despite my ability at all times, in all places, in all conditions, to pull you out of thin air or pull you from deep in my heart because I know your heart shall live forever, and my heart is your heart. It's all over the Psalms, you know. Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. We wait together. We pray together. We try to be still. We, we do our best to be of service. And when we do those things as best we can, especially in the company of others, Joy emerges. Looking at the kids this morning, can you imagine them? The joy they bring, not only to their family, but to others in the process of saying, here, I brought you a prayer shawl. Or here's something to eat. Or here's some food for the bath. This sense of giving, it unfetters the joy. It takes off the boundaries we place on it trying to live in a 21st century world. Jesus reminds us in John 17 that, you know, we're not of this world. We are not born of earth, formed from it through God's breath into it, perhaps, if that's how it happened. And Jesus reminds the others that he is not from this place either. We are here, but not of here. God, the hour has come. Glorify your beloved so that your beloved may glorify you. This is eternal life that they may know you. That's why he came. 
so that God's reflection through his teachings could be better known. And a little later he says, Now, God, I am coming to you and I am saying these things while I am still in the world so that they may have my joy fulfilled within them. My peace, my joy. I have given them your word and the world has hated them, the disciples and the followers, for they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. We're not here to be of the world, it appears. And of course, therein lies the struggle. As Jesus prays and John records, how do you get the world to loosen its grip a little bit with all we're holding on to and to embrace this presence of God and joy in our lives? You know, there's great intimacy in this powerful exchange between God and God's creator. I mean, between, sorry, between God and Jesus. These are powerful cosmic forces at work beyond anything we understand between Jesus and God. And it's the same forces that are at work between ourselves and God. If you come here, I believe that you believe the world can be a better place. I also know that you have struggled with the world in personal and professional ways. And yet you still believe the world can be a better place. If we can hold a vision for those with less to share equally in what we have been given, then I think we know God. If our lives are an expression of the hospitality to all that we share, then I think we know God. And if we look inside ourselves so that we can touch others with the expression of our joy, even in our struggles, then we touch the peace that Jesus gave us to know. The peace that Jesus came to reveal so that we, in the ways we do, could know God better. And look, as we come to believe ever more and more in the leadings of the Spirit, we will become frustrated. Did you hear the frustration in Jesus' voice in the readings? Look at these people. What is wrong with them? Can't they see? How could you not see the vision? If you can see a wrong and know it can be better, chances are you've been frustrated with others who don't see that or who want to argue with you about that. If you can find some joy in a time of great sorrow, chances are you're in conflict with somebody who wants to wail and wail. I grew up in a time and a culture, Irish and Italian. My grandmother never took off the black dress when my grandfather died. Never. The thought of even remarrying never occurred to her. A little aside, when my other grandmother died, my grandfather was single in his, he was almost 80, remarried. And he said to me one day, because we exchanged letters, he says, Raymond, your grandmother told me if I ever remarried, she was going to haunt me. And oh my God, is she haunting me. 
So I'm not proponing, a proponent of anything. I'm just saying. But things are different, perhaps. And yet, at the same time, how faithful people were in the ways they believed. And so as we come to believe ever more that these leadings of the Spirit that move us in directions, as we hold on to them, believe in them more, there's going to be more frustration. It is, I think, all along the transversal, I'll call it, that goes through the heart, that takes us from a place of isolation, maybe here, to a place of community and joy. It seems the most important thing here is that as long as we believe and know that we are loved, and whatever it is we have to bear or celebrate, we will find joy. And most often that joy will be found in the service to others. It's a practice that prepares us to enter into ourselves when we sit still, when we sit quietly, when we take those few moments. It brings us to that place of the shared humanity that the Dalai Lama speaks of. To a place where our lives become expressions of compassion for others and bring to life our call to be opposers of injustice of any kind. The practice of a time for prayer and meditation, the stillness and the silence, moves us along the path as being living proof to others of the God who loves us enough that we can love them. Even if you're not always being very nice to us. In a way, perhaps it's a, an expression that sounds something like this. Because of our joy and what we believe, we love you. We will hold you accountable. For we are accountable to others as we are called to be. But we will love you because we know the God that loves us. God that loved us first and continues to love us always. Amen. <laughs>